Pastors Michael and Brenda Brunzo welcome you and thank you for listening to the following message. This message was recorded during a regular service at Faith Fellowship Church. The Bible tells us in Romans 10, 17, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. So we believe this message will encourage and strengthen you in your daily walk of faith. God bless you as you listen. Mike Brunsville coming to you from Faith Fellowship Church in my beautiful home in Taylorsville this morning, uh, which is kind of unusual. Uh, before we start, though, I'd like to welcome everybody, welcome our church family, our extended family, our friends, our loved ones. Glad you could join us this morning. If you would, hit the share button because uh, we're coming on a little earlier than usual, plus under the circumstances, some people might not realize that, that have been tuning in at 11 o'clock uh, because we've usually been coming on after praise and worship. So this morning I'm coming to you from my home because uh, uh, my wife and I were uh, kind of exposed to COVID-19. Uh, somebody that we were in close proximity to tested positive, so as a precaution, we're quarantining ourselves. Uh, this is day number seven. We got tested the other day and uh, we're still waiting on the results for that, but I'm sure everything is fine. Praise the Lord. Uh, if you have your Bibles with you this morning, turn with me to two places, Luke chapter 11 and then Luke chapter 18, just a few pages over. And while you're turning there, let's go ahead and pray. Father, we thank you. We praise you. We give you glory and honor this morning. Thank you for the ability that you've given us to reach the people. Even though we can't have an in-person service this morning, we can still come into their homes, and we don't take that lightly. We appreciate it very much. So we thank you and praise you, Lord, that as the word comes forth this morning, you'll give us eyes to see, ears to hear, hearts that can believe and receive. And we thank you, Father, for revelation. Holy Spirit, have your way in this service this morning and with this message. I thank you, Lord, that I'll speak only the meditations of my heart and that I will speak only things that are pleasing to you and I will uh, speak according to the word of God. So we thank you and praise you for that this morning. Give you glory and honor in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Luke chapter 11, verse 5. And he said to them, Which of you shall have a friend and go to him at midnight and say to him, Friend, lend me three loaves. For a friend of mine has come to me on his journey, and I have nothing to set before him. And he will answer from within and say, Do not trouble me. The door is now shut, and my children are with me in bed. I cannot rise and give to you. I say to you, though he will not rise and give to him because he is his friend, yet because of his persistence, he will rise and give him as many as he needs. So I say to you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock, and it shall be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives, and he who seeks, finds, and to him who knocks, it will be opened. All right, now Luke chapter 18, verses 1 through 8. I'll be reading this passage in the Amplified. It says, Now Jesus was telling the disciples a parable to make the point that at all times they ought to pray and not give up and lose heart saying, In a certain city there was a judge who did not fear God and had no respect for man. There was a desperate widow in that city, and she kept coming to him and saying, 
Give me justice and legal protection from my adversary. For a time he would not, but later he said to himself, Even though I do not fear God nor respect man, yet because this widow continues to bother me, I will give her justice and legal protection. Otherwise, by continually coming, she will be an intolerable annoyance and she will wear me out. Then the Lord said, Listen to what the unjust judge says. And then the Lord says, And, and will not our just God defend and avenge his elect, his chosen ones, who cry out to him day and night? Will he delay in providing justice on their behalf? I tell you that he will defend and avenge them quickly. However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find this kind of persistent faith on the earth? That's a good question. When the Lord returns, will he find persistent faith on the earth? Some translations just want to know if he'll find faith of any kind on the earth. But these are parables, and a parable is simply a story to illustrate a moral or a spiritual lesson. It's teaching by comparison. And Jesus would teach spiritual truths that we couldn't understand by comparing them to usual things, natural things, that we could understand, everyday things that we see and know. For example, when teaching spiritual truths, he would use illustrations about farmers or fishermen, and he would talk about sowing seed or soil or crops or harvest and plows, and he would talk about fish and nets and ships and the sea and the weather. And uh, these things were all uh, things that they were familiar with at the time and that they could uh, stand alongside of the spiritual truth that Jesus was trying to convey and uh, use it as a comparison. So these were all things that they could relate to. And with today's culture, he'd probably use illustrations like with sports or movies or video games and things that would help us to understand the spiritual truth that he's trying to convey. And so parables can convey many different truths. You can glean a lot from a parable, but all parables, regardless of the spiritual comparisons that we can glean from them, they all have one central truth or a central theme and uh, that the parable is trying to convey. And anything, any interpretation that we get from the parable must be from, uh, must, should be interpreted in light of that central theme or that central truth that the parable is trying to convey. And the central truth of these two parables that we just read is persistence with an emphasis on persistence in faith. Uh, in other words, uh, that would be similar, or other words that would be similar would be like determination, resolve, endurance, tenacity, and, and this is my favorite. The dictionary actually said this. It said stickability. Stickability. I didn't even know that was a word, but it, it has to do with the ability to stick with something. And so, although we can glean other things from these two parables, the central truth that it's trying to convey is persistence, tenacity, perseverance, stickability. And it's the ability to stay with something till the end and not give up. And the parable of the unjust judge and the friend that came to the friend's house at, at midnight uh, is repeatedly, uh, it's uh, about a judge that's lacking compassion. And he doesn't fear God. He has no respect of man. And he's uh, repeatedly approached by this poor widow that was seeking justice and protection. 
And so he initially rejects her demands, but because of her persistence, King James says importunity, her tenacity, her perseverance, because of her stickability, and she refused to give up, he eventually honors her request, but not because it was the right thing to do. It was all because she was just flat wearing him out. And, uh, you know, a lot of Bible scholars and teachers believe that these parables are talking about prayer. And that's what they teach, but they overlook the central truth that it's trying to convey, and that is that it's talking about persistence, and particularly persistence in prayer. In fact, the parable of the friend at night that we read really makes no direct reference to prayer, but it, it certainly can apply to prayer uh, because it speaks of asking, seeking, and knocking. But when we say it's about prayer, we're implying that we have to nag God like the, like the friend had to nag the other guy, uh, to open the door and give him three loaves of bread or whatever he needed. And uh, we don't have to nag God for answers to prayer. Our God hears our prayers and he answers our prayers. So uh, it would be hard to say that this particular parable is strictly about prayer, although that's something we can glean from it. The widow with and the friend both seem to be at least in type a Christian or a believer. But to identify the judge or the friend that was in the house as a type of God would be an injustice, and it would be a little bit off because neither one of them acted on the basis of justice where God would have acted on the basis of justice. So we can't really uh, identify them as being God. And, and they were also not moved with compassion where God is always moved by compassion. And the only reason the friend and the judge were moved was for selfish reasons. They just wanted to get back to bed. And so although we can certainly glean from this parable a lesson in prayer, I believe the central truth that it is conveying is persistence, and particularly persistence in faith. But, you know, we could also say this is persistence with anything in life. Uh, as a matter of fact, if you remember, the parable of the unjust judge ended with the Lord asking a question. He asked, when the Son of Man comes, will he find this kind of persistent faith on the earth? And, and that's what the parables are about, persistence. And so keeping that in mind, we're going to look at several different things this morning. But persistent faith is hard to find nowadays. As a matter of fact, uh, strong faith of any kind is hard to find, especially uh, in some of the churches that we have. Uh, and rather than finding persistent faith, it seems like we find people that are all too willing to give up and quit too soon. Quit, quit too soon. And there's just no stickability to some of the people that's in the church today. And uh, that's what I want to try to uh, input into us this morning is learning how to be persistent in things, especially the things of God, especially when standing in faith, not giving up too soon, because there's just too many people give up too soon when it comes to standing in the arena of faith. And uh, so one of the reasons for the lack of faith is because many believers don't really hear or, or are reading the pure word of God like they should be. And, you know, Romans 10, 17 tells us that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And that word hearing is in the Greek is uh, uh, it means plurality, which it means it's repeated. In other words, it's uh, faith comes by hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing uh, by the word of God. So it's not just hearing something one time. It's a con continual hearing of the word of God. And that's the only way to increase faith. 
you know, the more you read and hear the word, the more faith will come. Uh, we can strengthen our faith and learn how to stand on our faith by the tests and trials we go through, but there's really only one way to increase faith, and that's by a continual hearing and a continual reading of the true word of God, the Bible. And, you know, people sometimes put more faith in what a man says than they do in the word of God. And, and not just Christians, but anybody in general. I mean, look at the way that people react to the news. Uh, it seems like they follow, they just swallow hook, line, and sinker, everything that's being said on the news nowadays. And they never bother to compare it to what the word of God says. And they place their trust in logic and reasoning and the wisdom of men. And uh, take global warming, for example. For In order for us to believe in global warming, we would have to believe that God actually made a mistake in creation. And he didn't have enough foresight to know that we would have global warming and it would destroy the ozone and it would eventually destroy the earth. But, uh, you know, God in his infinite wisdom, he created this earth to be inhabited and he created this earth and the universe and everything in creation to last forever. And he's never going to allow some man to destroy his creation. And besides that, man was his creation. So he's not going to allow man to be able to do anything that would destroy something that he created to last forever. And so, uh, you know, we just can't believe everything that the news is saying. We can't believe everything that's coming down the pipe. And when it comes to faith, we have to be careful who we're listening to and who we're reading after because there are teachings that are based on somebody's bad experience rather than the word of God. Well, I know what the Word of God says, but this is what happened to me. And sometimes what happened to them is portrayed as being even higher than what the Word of God says, and that's just wrong. And, and people will believe their friends, and, and uh, they'll believe what they heard somebody say uh, on TV, maybe an evangelist or, or a preacher on television. Uh, and it's really not going to bring any faith unless they're preaching the word and they're not preaching based on their experiences. And experiences are great to learn from, but they never uh, exceed the word of God. They never have more uh, capability than the word of God does. And when that happens, we're in trouble because faith only comes by hearing the true word of God. And uh, this is what we want is we want not only faith, but we want persistent faith that's based on the true word of God and not based on somebody that said something, and what he said was based on a bad experience that they had. Uh, that would call, cast more doubt and unbelief in somebody's heart than anything else. And uh, a lot of times we get the word mixed up with what somebody said, and we quote so-and-so as though we're quoting the word, and it's not actually the word at all. So that's why I say you got to be careful who you read after, who you listen to. Uh, there's entire denominations, for example, that don't believe in divine healing. And uh, ours is not one of them. We believe in divine healing. And, and it all started because someone possibly asked God to heal them or maybe heal a loved one or somebody that they knew that was supposedly standing in faith and believing God to be healed, and the healing never came. And that person went home to be with the Lord or some kind of bad experience like that. And so as a result, they teach from that experience and ignore what the Word of God says to it that's contrary. And, uh, you know, they teach that there's no such thing as divine healing uh, because it's been done away with with the last apostle. 
or God's not healing today like he did in the book of Acts. And what's really sad is a lot of Christians follow this type of teaching and they take faithless advice from friends or loved ones. And, and a lot of times they're not even going to church. They're, in other words, they're not an authority on the word. They shouldn't be speaking into people's lives. And uh, the people that are listening to them shouldn't actually be listening to them and taking anything that they're saying uh, to heart because it's going to cause harm. But our experiences, no matter how significant they might be to us, and I'm not saying that we haven't had some bad experiences or you haven't had bad experiences in different areas. But, you know, the Word of God plainly says that it that He wants us to have health and long life. And that's always been the will of God, and it is the will of God now, and it will always be the will of God. He wants us to be healthy and have a long, satisfying life. He said, with long life shall I satisfy you and show you my salvation. And healing is part of that salvation package. He wants to show us that package. He wants to show us healing. He wants to show us prosperity. He wants to show us the blessings that we have. And so um, when people and even godly creatures make statements based on their experiences rather than the word of God, it can steal faith from people's hearts and cause them uh, great harm. And it might even cause them to leave this earth before their time. Uh, I'm, it's always a happy ending when a Christian dies because he goes to heaven. But, you know, we don't want to go any sooner than we have to. Amen? And so when people or Christians miss out on the benefits, for example, of living a spirit-filled life because somebody told them that there's no such thing as being filled with the Holy Ghost. And so they don't partake in that uh, blessing, actually the gift that, J that God gives us of being, being filled with the Holy Ghost, living a spirit-filled life, which includes all the blessings of God, all the promises of God. Uh, and, you know, F.F. Bosworth, he said in his book, Christ the Healer, that faith begins where the will of God is known. And what a lot of Christians don't realize is that God's will is his word, and his word is his will. If you want to know what the will of God is, read the Word. And that's the will of God for us and everybody else. And I've heard a lot of prayers that either started or ended with, if it be thy will. Oh God, save so-and-so, if it be thy will. Oh God, if it be thy will, heal so-and-so. And that is just a, a, you know, that statement, if it be thy will, it just negates any faith that you could have put into that prayer because not knowing the will of God is not a good place for you to start out putting your faith in a prayer. You got to know the will of God. You got to know the word of God. And that's what you need to pray. And that's the type of prayer that God responds to. Uh, if you know God's will, then you're going to be able to pray with a level of faith that you've never prayed with before. Uh, it says in, John, in 1 John 5, 14 and 15, and this is a confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, according to his word, he hears us. So every time I ask God something that's based on his word, according to his will, I know I can be confident that he's going to hear me. And if, he, if we know that he hears us, whatsoever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we desired of him. So if we can be confident that he heard us, then we can be confident that we will receive the petitions that we desired of him or 
In other words, we will an- he will answer our prayers and give us the things that we're asking for in prayer. So it, it's not what you think the Word says. It's not what someone tells you the Word says. Uh, it's what you know for yourself that counts. Uh, it's what you know for yourself in the Word that makes a difference in your life. This is the Word that you have to put your faith in and stick to it. Something that you know came from the Word of God. Something that you know is the will of God. And Jesus said, when the Son of Man comes, will he find this kind of persistent faith on the earth? That's a good question. Will he find it in you? Will he find it in me? And, you know, everyone has faith, but very few people have persistent faith. Most people start out in faith, but they never see it through to the end. They have no stickability. And it's because they don't persist long enough. And that's what we need to learn from these parables. Yes, we can apply them to prayer, and that's great. But this parable is talking about persistence. And this is the message that Jesus is trying to convey through this parable, is he wants us to have persistent faith, tenacity, uh, bulldog tenacity type faith. He wants us to have determining faith, persevering faith. And he wants us to have faith with stickability he wants us to stick to something till the end and that's exactly what the friend and the widow did they stuck to it to the end and they got exactly what they were asking for so we live in a culture that has lost the attribute of patience and endurance i mean we don't want to have to wait for anything i tell you i'm disappointed i didn't get my test results back faster than i did i'm disappointed i'm still waiting for them but i don't have a choice i have to wait on that but I don't like it. And, you know, when we, when we want something, we want it now. And, and this culture doesn't know how to be persistent. This culture doesn't know how to uh, be determined enough to hang in there and stick to it till it, uh, it comes to pass. Uh, they just don't want to stick to anything anymore. And as soon as opposition comes along, they want to quit. If it doesn't come easy, they want to quit. If they have to work extra hard for it, they want to quit. If it isn't handed to them on a silver platter, they don't want it. If people exercise more persistence in things, not just in faith, then there'd be fewer divorces, lower unemployment, lower less school dropouts, less quitters. Uh, I mean, we would see a difference in this culture. And the Bible tells us in Hebrews 6.15, for example, that after Abraham persisted, uh, patiently endured, Uh, which is another way of saying persistent, he obtained the promise. He didn't get it right away. He had to patiently and and, uh, determinedly and stickably, he had to stay with it. He had to persist until he obtained the promise. So if we wouldn't have patiently, if he wouldn't have patiently endured, he would have never seen the promise. But Abraham waited for years for the manifestation of the promise that God said he would have his own son. Uh, He would have a son, not by a handmaiden, but by his wife, Sarah. And it didn't happen overnight. He he, He had to stick with it. He had to persevere. He had to endure. He had to have persistent faith. And that's what brought it to pass. If he would have quit at any time, Uh, things would be different today. Isaac wouldn't have been his son. There wouldn't have been no 12 tribes of Israel. There have been all kinds of different things happening. God would have had to find another way, but God always has a way. So uh, persistent faith just refuses to quit. Uh, It doesn't waver. 
it does it stays in there until the end and if you have persistent faith you will never be talked out of what god has promised you you will never quit in the middle of a faith venture but let's talk for a minute about the will of god because the will of god and the word of god are synonymous terms they actually can be uh, switch back and forth and, and, and not lose any meaning or not not do any injustice to the words. But let's talk about the will of God uh, some more because the key to a blessed life is knowing God's will for your life and then walking in it. And it's important that we not only know it, but we obey it and we walk in it. And like F.F. Bosworth said, faith begins where the will of God is known. And God's word is his will and his will is his word. If you want to know what God's will is for your life, then read his word, pray, and ask what his will is. He may say, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel unto every creature, but he might not tell you where to go to preach that word. So we got, at least from the word of God, from the Bible, we know we're supposed to go. But now we need to find out where to go, and that's what you find out in prayer. That's what you find out by asking, seeking, and knocking and that's what God will put in your spirit, and he'll answer you in your spirit of where to go. He may say go to Africa. He may say go next door to your neighbor. But you won't know that until you ask him. But anyway, I want to talk about the will of God, because without knowing the will or knowing God's word, you don't really have anything to put your faith in. You don't have a strong foundation for your faith to stand on. And so you have to know God's will, and then you have to make sure that you're walking in the center of it. You don't want to be outside of God's will for your life because when you're walking in God's will, everything you need, you will find on your journey. Everything is already waiting for you because he's the God that sees the need in advance and provides for it. So if you're going to be in need of healing, he's got healing along that, that route of his will. If you're going to need a blessing, a financial blessing, that blessing is already waiting for you up ahead. But if you get out of his will, you're going to miss that healing. You're going to miss that blessing. You're going to miss the answer to that prayer. So it's so important that we stay in God's will. As a matter of fact, in the center of God's will. Somebody wants to describe it like this. You know, if you're always in a storm, you're either too far ahead of God's will or you're too far behind God's will. You either have to slow down or you need to step it up. But you have to figure that out and get back in the center of God's will because that's where the peace is. And so you know you're in God's will when uh, you're experiencing peace, you're walking in hell, uh, all your needs are being met. You know you're in God's will. And if any of that changes, you need to either step it up or you need to fall behind a little bit. But you got to get back into the center of the will. It's just like that hurricane. A hurricane is all stormy around it, but in the center, hallelujah, there's some peace in the center of that hurricane. So get out of the weather and get in the center of God's will. And uh, so we have to get into it. We have to stay in it. And that takes stickability. That takes persistence. For example, I want to show you that it's God's will for you to prosper and be in good health. How do I know that? Because his word told me that. In 3 John 1 and 2, he says, Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in every way. That's financial. That's every way. Uh, prosper in every way and that your body may keep well, even as I know your soul keeps well and prospers. Uh, it is God's will for us to prosper and be in health. He just told us that. So now faith begins where? Where the will of God is known. 
I know God wants me to prosper. I know he wants me to walk in health. So now I have something to put my faith to. Now I have something to persist in. Nothing's going to change me from that now because I know God's will for me concerning prosperity and healing. So he said that he would provide for us when we're broke. He said that he supply all our needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. That means he's not depending on anything down here or anything that we could do or anybody else can do. These riches are going to be provided from his glory, from heaven. And even if you lose your job, even if you don't have two nickels to rub together, it's still God's will for you to prosper. And that gives me something to put my faith in. And it's also God's will for us to walk in divine health. And, and I'm going to spend a little bit of time on this because it's that important. With everything that's going on around us, and uh, I see a lot of sickness in the world, a lot of sickness in the United States, a lot of sickness in our communities. I see a lot of sickness in the churches. And uh, that's not God's will for us. God doesn't want us sick. He wants us to walk in health. He wants us to prosper. So, uh you know, he, he wants to heal us when we're sick. He wants to prosper us when we're broke. And nothing changes that. God's word never changes. His will never changes. And, you know, just like being exposed to COVID doesn't change his word. Uh, catching COVID, being sick with COVID doesn't change his word. Being sick with any kind of sickness doesn't change his word. He still wants to be the Lord that heals us. And even in the midst of sickness and disease, my faith remains persistent. I don't allow my faith to change because the circumstances around me change. Even when I have symptoms, my faith persists. Even when I can't seem to make ends meet, my faith persists. Why? Because I know it's God's will for me, and I know he wants me to prosper and be in health. He said it in his word, and that will never change. In uh, Exodus fifteen twenty six, he reveals himself as the Lord that heals us. He said, I am the Lord that healeth thee. He's the Lord that heals us. He said that plainly. He, he proclaimed that plainly. I am the Lord that healeth thee. And then, uh, now, here's what I want to say about that. He never said we wouldn't get sick. He said that when we do, there's help provided for us. He said, when we do get sick, he's the Lord that healeth us. I mean, if we never got sick or wasn't supposed to get sick, then we wouldn't need somebody to heal us. He wouldn't have to be the Lord that healeth us. But he knows as we walk in this earth, even though we're not of the world, we're, we're in the world, he knows we're going to be confronted with challenges with our health. And so he says, I'm the Lord that healeth thee. So when your health is being challenged, where do you look? Look to me, because I'm the Lord that healeth thee. And then he said in Isaiah 53, verse 5, the latter part, the chastisement of our peace was upon Jesus, and with his stripes we are healed. He said that plainly. Because of the stripes Jesus bore on his back, we are healed. And then in Matthew 8, 16 and 17, he says he healed all that were sick, every one of them. And, and you can search the Bible from uh, the beginning to the end, and you will never see where Jesus didn't heal somebody that came to him. Not everybody got healed, but everybody that came to him got healed. He never turned anybody away. 
And then, so in Matthew 8, 16 and 17, it says he healed all that were sick, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet. We just read it. With his stripes, we are healed. Jesus came to fulfill that. And, and he said that Jesus took our infirmities and bare our sicknesses. And then in 1 Peter 2, 24, he said, who his own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree or the cross, that we being dead to sins should live unto righteousness by whose stripes ye were healed. It's important that we, we, we observe certain words in this because, uh, you know, he said, I am the Lord that healeth thee. Uh, Isaiah said that we are healed. Jesus came and fulfilled that prophecy. And now Peter, looking back at the cross, one was before the cross saying we are healed. The other one was looking back at the cross after crucifixion, after the resurrection. And Peter said, by whose stripes you were healed. So God says he's the Lord who heals us. Isaiah said we are healed. Uh, Matthew said Jesus did heal us. Peter says we were healed. So if God is and we are and Jesus did and we were, then bless God, we must be healed. I don't see how anybody can say that there's no such thing as divine healing when God made provision for it and he made it plain as he could possibly make it. God's will is for us to walk in hell. God's will is for us to prosper. God said he never changes. Jesus said I'm the same yesterday and today and forever. God doesn't change. Jesus doesn't change. The word doesn't change. The Holy Ghost doesn't change. His will doesn't change. And so our faith shouldn't change either. Just because we experience something doesn't change our faith. We should still have faith. If you believed in healing before you got sick, then bless God, you ought to believe it after you get sick. You ought to believe it while you're being sick. You ought to be, believe it while you're being re, recovering because even though uh, it doesn't seem like you're healed, God still is the healer. And you need to get back on track. You need to get your faith redirected back to latch it on to that word of healing and don't let go until the manifestation comes. Amen. Some of you out there need to hear that this morning. I don't care if you're sick right now. I know it's hard to believe when you're sick. Well, I've been believing to walk in health and now I'm sick, so that didn't work. So now you believe God heals you because that will work. God is the healer. Jesus bore strife for your healing. Hallelujah. So when you know what his will is, you never have to start or end the prayer with, if it be thy will. That is a prayer killer right there. We should know what God's will is before we go to him in prayer. God just wants us to reflect his word back to him. That's what moves God. His word moves God. And faith in that word moves God. You know, you can fast all you want. That doesn't change God. You can be as good as you want. That doesn't change God. If God had to rely on how good we were or how righteous we were, we'd never get anything from God. The only thing that moves God is faith in his word. Hallelujah. But, you know, the prophet Elijah had persistent faith. He's a good example, too. So we're going to talk about him for a minute. But he also knew how important it was to be in the will of God. And Elijah had enough faith to shut the heavens up for three and a half years. It didn't rain and that caused a great drought and a famine in the land. And it also made the king mad enough to want to hunt him down and kill him. So Elijah had to hide. And so 
God tells Elijah exactly what to do. In other words, God told Elijah what his will was for him at that time. He said, Elijah, go to the brook Cherith and hide there. There represents God's will. It would be there that he would protect him and provide for him. And the Bible says God commanded ravens to bring Elijah two meals a day. Where? There. Where he told him to go. One meal in the morning and one meal at night. Elijah drank from the brook. And isn't it nice to know that no matter what the lying, crooked politicians and the government does or what they tell us, no matter what condition the economy is in, no matter what the stock market does, no matter what the cost of living is or the price of groceries or a gallon of gas, it doesn't make any difference because God always takes their, takes care of those that are committed to him. But where does he do it? There, in his will. And he told Elijah to go to a specific place and it would be there that God would protect and provide for him. There and only there. And it's important we understand that. Uh, it's important that we understand uh, that we have to be in God's will in order to expect protection or provision. And God wants to provide for us and protect us. He wants us to walk in health. We've already seen that. But we have to be obedient to his word. Uh, we have to follow his direction. If he tells us to go there like he told Elijah, then that's where we must go. We must go there. And that represents his will. That represents us walking in his will because we obeyed him and we went there. There is where the guidance comes. There is where the protection is. There is where the provision is. There is where you're going to hear from God. Not just anywhere, but there, smack in the middle of God's will for your life. Somebody, somebody might say, well, I don't like chairs. I think I'll go to Gatlinburg. Uh, it, it's much prettier down there this time of year, and there's plenty of brooks in Gatlinburg. I'm sure God won't mind. Yeah, but God won't be there. The ravens won't be there, and the angels of protection aren't going to be there because that is not the place that God told you to go. That is not God's will for your life. And so, you know, you don't have to go where God tells you to go. You can go anywhere you want, but where God told you to go is where the provision, the protection, the direction and guidance is going to be right there where God told you to go. Elijah could have went anywhere he wanted, but if he didn't go there where God directed him to go, uh, then it wouldn't be God's fault if he starved to death or the king's soldiers found him and killed him. See, he wouldn't have been able to blame God. If you're experiencing a lot of problems in your life, then check to see whose will that you're in. It might be your will, and that's why one of the, that's why one of the reasons why you're experiencing what you're experiencing. You need to get out of your will and doing things your way in a way that you think they should be done and get into God's will and do things God's way. But anyway, after a while, the Bible says the brook Cherith dried up. And when it did, the ravens stopped flying. And uh, what does that mean? That means it's time to seek God's face and find out what the next step for your life is. And, you know, God gave Elijah more direction. He said, go to a place called Zarephath and dwell there. And a widow woman would provide for you there. Where? There. 
And so that was the will of God for, for uh, Elijah's life at that point in time. And, and, you know, sometimes like with Elijah, the seasons of our life change and things just dry up. And you wives quit looking at your husbands right now. But it could be a job or a relationship, maybe a set of circumstances. And sometimes the seasons of life, as I'm experienced here lately, just change with age. But when that happens, God will give us more guidance and a new direction because he always wants to provide for us, protect us, heal us. And you may even lose your job, but God has a new and better one. You may fail in a relationship, but that's not the end of the world either. God will guide you to a new relationship with someone who appreciates you the way that you should be appreciated. And seasons change with age. And I've experienced this. My wife and I have both experienced this. You know, the emptiness and all that. Your kids grow up and hopefully leave someday. And, uh, but they'll come and visit. But after a while, you know, time to scoop. And uh, But then you have grandchildren. Hallelujah. Love my grandchildren. And they take your children's place. And eventually they leave too. And, then, and when that happens, you know, I mean, little by little, one at a time, they leave. Trust me. Uh, they may come for a visit. But when they finally leave and they don't come back anymore, they just get a poodle then. That's all. But anyway, people don't like change and so when the seasons of life change they resist because they like to keep things the way they are they like to keep things that they're familiar with they don't want to change jobs they don't want to change houses they don't want to change relationships and i'm not saying that you should get a divorce because you don't have a good relationship with your wife or husband uh god wants you to work that out he's also a god of restoration i'm saying that we have some bad relationships in our lives that God actually wants us to leave behind, and that's what I'm talking about. But we want to stay right where we are because it's familiar to us and we're comfortable with it, and we don't like to be pushed out of our comfort zone. But sometimes God will cause the ravens to stop flying and the brook to dry up just to get you to move to the next thing in your life, the, the next part of God's will for your life, the next journey that he has for you. And so you can stay where you're at. It's your choice. God never violates your will, but... Uh, God is not under any obligation to do anything for you at that point. He no longer has to provide for you. He no longer has to protect you. He no longer has to heal you because you're out of his will and you're doing your own thing. And you will no longer be there, the place that he told you to go. And if you remember, it was God's will for Israel to enter the promised land. Uh, I mean, that was Israel's there. Uh, but they hardened their necks and refused to go in. And through doubt and unbelief, they refused to go in and they never got another chance to go there. And if we refuse to obey and trust God, then we will never get there either. The place where God will heal us, the place where God will provide for us, the place where God will protect us, uh, the place where God will fulfill all of the promises that he ever made for us, that's in the promised land. That's in the place that you would call there for your life. And a whole generation died in the wilderness. No healing, no blessings. I mean, it was a rough time in that wilderness. I mean, there was acts of mercy and God would visit them from time to time with acts of mercy. But they were not walking in his will. They were not walking in his blessings. They were disobedient to his word. And that's what caused them to wander in the wilderness for 40 something years. And so they... 
They never arrived there. They never got to enter in there because they refused to follow God's specific uh, instructions concerning the promised land. And out of that entire generation, two men, Joshua and Caleb, entered the promised land. And you want to know why? Because they had not only had faith, but they had persistent faith. They had stick with it faith. They had determined faith. I mean, for them to walk around 40 plus years in the wilderness with a bunch of wine baby, faithless, full of doubt, cry babies, all that time, they had to have persistent faith. But they hung in there until God gave them a second chance and they went right in like they would have the first time and they dwelled there and they were blessed there and they prospered there. God said to Joshua, I give you every place the sole of your foot treads. In other words, wherever you walk, Joshua, it's yours. I've already given it to you. And he gave Caleb a mountain. Caleb had his, his eye on a mountain. I don't know why, but he said, give me this mountain. And, and Joshua said, all right, just go with me until we conquer the rest of the land and you can have your mountain. And so their promises were fulfilled. They, they had joy in the promised land. They were living and dwelling right in the center of God's will, in the promised land of God's will, and they were dwelling there. Hallelujah. So when we obey, it puts us in a place of provision and protection and continued guidance, but it takes persistent faith, number one, to get there, and then it takes persistent faith to stay there. You can't be a quitter. You can't be an overcomer if you're constantly quitting and giving up. You got to stick with something. And, and that's what Jesus is trying to tell us here. Stick with the promises of God. Stick with the word of God. Stick with the will of God, because that's where your place called there is going to be. And, and sometimes, like with Elijah, God will have us change physically or move geographically. He may have you end a bad relationship. He may have you start a new and better relationship. He may want to change, want you to change jobs completely. And sometimes you're there is actually in another geographical location. But most of the time, it's changes in your life, changes in your behavior and lifestyle that will get you to your place called there. He might say, stop doing this, start doing that, go this way, not that way, turn, turn uh, right and not wrong. And when you obey, he's just guiding you in his will. And everywhere along that path is going to be everything that you need. So we have to stay on that path, stay in his will. And God is trying to get you there. Don't resist like the children of Israel did. Be open to change. Be open to some faith adventures. And remember, when you put your faith in something, stick with it. Don't give up. You know, oh, I'm healed. And you get a pain and say, oh, I'm dying. No, that's not persistent faith. That's wavering faith. You need to have faith that's going to stick and is going to see it out to the end. And when you're believing for God for anything, be persistent in it. Don't give up. Be like that little widow. Be like that uh, friend that went to his other friend for three loaves of bread. Just keep at it until you get what you're looking for. Stick with it. Be persistent. Don't quit. Don't give up. So if you got anything out of this today, just remember two, two words, persistent faith, persistent faith. Be persistent in the things of God and God will surely bless you with them. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. We praise you.
God, I lift up everybody that's experiencing sickness or disease in their body. I think I prove without any shadow of a doubt that it is your will to be their healer. It is your will for them to walk in health and prosper in everything in their life. So, Lord, I ask you to touch them right now from the top of their head to the soles of their feet. Remove every bit of guilt because they're sick. Uh, it's not anything to feel ashamed of. It's not a lack of faith. It's just things that happen to us. Bad things happen to good people. That's why God said he'd be our provider. He'd be our healer. It's because sometimes we need healing. So lift your head up, lift your chin up, stand boldly in the face of the devil and say, my God is the God that heals me. And by Jesus stripes, I'm healed. Jesus proved that to us. He fulfilled it. Peter, looking back at it, said that we were healed, so I am healed. I'm going to walk in healing right now in the name of Jesus. And you stick with it until it comes to pass. Father, we thank you for your wonderful promises. We thank you that you're the Lord that heals us. We thank you, Jesus, for the stripes you bore on your back for our healing. There's no doubt, there's no unbelief concerning this subject anymore. We know it's your will. We will never pray for healing and say, if it be thy will because we know it's your will. We're just going to claim it, and we're going to walk in it. We're going to walk in our promised land, and we're going to enjoy all the benefits and the, the blessings of being in your perfect will be, by being in your promised land. We thank you, and we praise you for it, Lord. Bless our health care workers. I got a firsthand view of them the other day, and I thank God for each and every one of them, Lord. I thank you that you're sustaining them. I thank you that you're protecting them, Lord and keeping them safe from this stinking COVID-19 disease and every other disease that comes along. So we ask you, God, to just touch them right now in Jesus' name. Heal all the sick, God, that's in the hospitals, especially even the ones that are on ventilators and the doctors and everybody has given up hope on them, Lord. Show them a miracle. Show yourself to be strong in Jesus' name. We thank you and praise you for it. God bless you. I hope you got something out of this this morning. Uh, we'll see you Wednesday, and we will be back in service next Sunday in person services at Faith Fellowship Church. Thank you. God bless you. This concludes this message. Thank you for listening. We pray that it's been a blessing to you. For more information about FFC or its ministries, please contact the church office. God bless you, and remember, Jesus is Lord.